Your fate is set, and you cannot escape it. Fjolnir! Run! I will avenge you, father! I will save you, mother! I will kill you, Fjolnir! I will avenge you, father. I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. So I'm here today with Joselito, and we're here to talk about the movie The Norseman. It's a new Robert Eggers movie, and it's starring Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman. It's an interesting movie, very slick advertising, where it kind of seemed like it was going to be one type of movie, but it turned out to be a, another type of movie, which is very interesting. We saw it, and we wanted to discuss it, so this is our discussion on it. How are you doing today, Joselito? I'm fine. I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. I'm definitely looking forward to this. No, no problem at all, man. I love your insight. And mm -hmm. this is one of those kind of movies that it's not surface deep, you know, it's, it's really have levels to it. It's kind of hard to do that nowadays where you have a movie that's saying something that's also entertaining and that you could kind of chew on because a lot of stuff that comes out is just so disposable and just surface level, almost to the point where you don't even revisit movies anymore. It's kind of like, I seen it, I got it and I'm good. Versus like an actual discussion that could happen off the movie because of what it could potentially mean or what it's actually saying and things to consider. And the sad part is sometimes movies like this are hard to get an audience sometimes. And like we were saying before, when we we're talking about how they may not do so good in the theaters, but when they get on streaming and things like that, or you could buy them and watch them, how they could possibly get a, a new life where they are really appreciated. In those situations, they become cult classics. And so I think this movie is probably potentially kind of have the same kind of situation going on. So with the little synopsis that they have for it, it says the Northman is an action-filled epic that follows the young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. And that's a good breakdown of the movie. It's interesting because the movie is as simple as that, but then there's layers to it. So I got to give the credit to the writer and director, Robert Eggers. And I think it's always interesting when sometimes you see that they're just overly complicated. And then when people watch them, it's just hard to process. So I always kind of love stories that are, say, maybe something basic, but it's seasoned so well that it just makes it a full meal when it just would have been a snack in, in other people's hands, you know? Yeah. The, the thing about this, um, and when you if you when you read the synopsis and when you see the trailer, clearly, in my opinion, I think the trailer is a little bit deceptive. Not in in the in a bad way, but I think that if they did the trailer closer to reflect what the movie was about or how the movie was structured, it wouldn't have gotten like the mass interest because, like you had just mentioned that these type of movies wouldn't necessarily get a lot of audiences in the theaters. But the trailer made it a, such a way that people were expecting this movie to be just like nonstop bloodbath, like revenge tale where he's just like, you know, kind of like the, like a diehard type 
movie where it's just one man against the entire kingdom type of thing. But Eggers did the the witch, right? Did Eggers did the witch. do the witch? Okay. Yeah, and so, also the yeah. lighthouse. Okay, I didn't watch the lighthouse, but I did see the witch, and I saw that. Okay, and the witch is a totally different, like it's more of a horror type thing. But yeah. even with the witch, it was when it first came out, it was kind of deceptive. The trailer was deceptive because if you've seen the witch. It's similar to the Northman in that it's both of them are kind of a there's action in the Northman, but it's more of a slow burn, and it's like there's a point where are, are we doing um, spoilers or no? Yeah, this is just an open discussion. So okay. This, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So so one of the things one one of the, the the you know spoilers is that I thought it was kind of anticlimactic is when he finally has the chance as an adult to get his revenge on his uncle. The uncle is even, isn't even a king anymore. So the uncle ha- actually has kind of fallen not on hard times, but he's like kind of taken down a notch or two. And so it's a weird thing. Like when I saw that, I was having these conflicting feelings. But because it's easier to be angry to be on his side as the Northman and, and get revenge on the uncle because the uncle is like at the top of the throne, and so it's like against the stereotypical power system you know you're fighting the system here so it's it's easier to root for the northman in that case but it is a little bit more complicated because the uncle wasn't the top anymore and he was kind of living a more humbled life so it's a weird it was a weird like it, it felt like it was yes it, the i was still rooting for him to get back at the uncle yeah. but i started like there were like chinks in my armor in terms of I was starting to like view the uncle in a different light when I saw he's kind of been taken down a notch or two. So life has kind of dealt him a few blows here and there. So he's not as powerful as he used to be. You know what? That's very interesting that you said that. I didn't think of it that way. Only reason I, I didn't trip off that part is just because, to me, if he was fighting like the system, one. Since this is kind of like a, more grounded, the army and stuff that he would have to go against would be. He wouldn't be able to win. You know, if this is more like a Conan or something like that, where, you know, the one man takes on the herd of the army and like, you know, the the king from the back is like, get him. And you see these thousands of troops like, you know, coming after him or something like that, he'd be in trouble. And this is more grounded. He wasn't really had an issue with the kingdom. He had an issue with his uncle and what he did. So, yeah, the trailer seemed to make it seem like it yes. would be like going against like all these obstacles and all these guys. and. Yeah. Um, in a video game where you get to the the final boss, you know, which is the uncle guy. That's the trailer was kind of implying that that was the way the movie was going to be. And that's normally how the movie goes too. I'm kind of curious if they kind of did it this way, you know, maybe due to budgeting and stuff like that too, you know, cause this was kind of like kind of shown as an epic, but with watching it, even though it has some like notations of, of an epic, it really wasn't to me. It didn't feel like that to me. As simple as Conan was, that almost felt more epic, or the Chronicles of Riddick almost seemed more epic than this. Even yeah. though this is positioned to seem like it, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like he was just coming, falling to power. You know, he's about revenge, but he falls into power. It wasn't that kind of a kind of a thing. It was kind of like the, the other story that would probably be more on point of what would happen. And then the movies that we see that are so fanciful are kind of like the exaggeration of the stories. Like they told the tale of it, it would sound more like Conan, even though it's really like the Norsemen actually was. Yes. 
Yes. So, I, so, so I thought it was kind of interesting, but like I said, it could have been due to the writing style of the director and the way he directs and what he finds important or the nuances he finds important. And then also it could be due to budget because like, yeah. I just knew this was going to be like a Conan meets 300 in a way. Well, he was also, if you think about The Witch, he was also the Northman trying to, because remember in this movie, there's also the mixture of like mysticism and like whatever the religion is with like Odin versus like what they thought was like some, you know, I think Christianity was seen as the enemy evil, almost like witchcraft type of religion to them. Mm -hmm. But like the witch where there's like slow, like burn type of psychological, you know, games. The Northman basically does that where he remember when he does the killings of the, to try to like mess with their heads. Like what's going on? Like who's doing this? Like, turning it to kind of like this um, murder mystery, but mixed in with like some kind of a haunting, yeah. you know, yeah, like some evil spirit thing, which is like kind of alluded to in the same thing as the way the witch is, like yeah. the same thing, like what's going on? You don't know what evil force outside of her control is like doing this thing. Yeah. In, a, in the Conan movies, it's like Conan doesn't like, yeah, I'm just going to go and kill you know, I'm just going to scale the wall and just kill whoever's like in my way, but in the Northmen. And, I, and you could say that's more realistic because in this situation, he can't, he would have been killed. If he even tried to go straight up, he would have been killed right away. But yeah. in his situation, he did it the way, the, the right way to do it to, in order to ensure that he survived and to be able to finish his uh, task at the end. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. This is more like the real story versus the, you know, the epic story that they tell and sing about or whatnot or write about. And like I said, and also probably due to budget and stuff. It just, but it wasn't just, it wasn't that kind of a movie. Um, it was more nuanced and, and things like that. You know, a thing that really came up to me with this was like, you know, perspective and how that's important and how that could just flip the whole movie. So to, to me, this is definitely a more cerebral kind of movie. Cause like from the beginning, you know, it's a you see like a child that's happy that his father's coming back you know from from battle or something and he comes back and he comes home and everybody's glad to see him and he sees his wife and they have this thing between them you're not for sure what he seems kind of you know kind of cold to her and it's almost kind of like she's being frivolous and he's really trying to handle business like a guy came home from work a long day work and the woman's want to hang out and be all touchy-feely he just be like i'm just trying to unwind i've been in the trenches all day i've been dealing with all this kind of stuff i just need to have my space you know and so some people might took it as like oh he's cold to her and then but others might be like yeah when you come home from dealing with a whole bunch of stuff the first thing you do is not necessarily want to you know run up and be in somebody else's space you kind of want your own yeah that's true it's and i would have loved to be able to like if i could like had the ability to read people's minds or even like where people could like actually like have like a poll as they're watching the movie to say what their feelings because that's a good point that you points that you make where the two perspectives like you know like there is the perspective like yeah he just got home from all this war or whatever he was doing so he wants to just chill and do his own thing and be by himself and not be bothered but then on the other side you know like hey i haven't seen you uh, you know i'm your loving or supposedly your loving wife so you know i'm trying to like express my feelings of missing you and this is the way i express it right. by wanting to be affectionate towards you and, and maybe even be intimate you know but you're spurning me you know so there's the two yeah there's the two 
there's the two perspectives you in that mm-hmm. so and then they have the celebration they try to do a thing for him celebrating the victory and stuff and so i thought it was very interesting how on hindsight and because of our change of perspective because something that happens later on you know the the jester you know or the shaman or whatever he tells the truth of the whole thing and because we don't have any insight or we don't have the perspective put like this we felt the fact that what the jester said wasn't an issue mainly because the way the king reacted to it so it's almost like if it's not a concern for the king then uh, it must not be nothing it must be a joke you know and so like i said that's another thing that it was like the the perspective was in such a way where they could tell you something that's pertinent information but you don't take it as that's almost kind of like a situation where like a room is on fire or something but even though you know the seeing the fire is a problem you should run we more look out for the reaction of the people in the room so if the people sitting in the room and there's a fire we'll think well maybe it's not that bad because they're not running we pay more attention to yeah. their reaction so if they're running out there then even if it's a little then, fire we'll take it yeah. as a big fire because their reaction made them yeah. run and so they did yeah. that to us too with that part because because when i yeah. saw it and it got to the end i'm like he told us that he told us exactly what the situation was and we ignored it because we had a perspective of the person who thought it was no big deal and so if it's no yeah. big deal then it's not a big deal yeah but but the thing is is it's not like the movie was hiding the important no. gesture because there is the scene when the father takes his son mm-hmm. to the jester and it's like a sacred where they're like embodying like a wolf mm-hmm. and like and then they go into this i'm not if it's like i don't know if they whatever they drank they went into a, a state of like where they seem like they went out of their body experience type of thing but that was supposed to be like a sacred thing between a father and son a bonding thing and also i guess the son becoming a man and the symbolic thing but the gesture was in there he was like moderating it so that means that the gesture was very very important for the king the fact that he's he's at that level where the king uses him for those type of situations where you know you're gonna help my son reach another level and also become like transcend from a man to a wolf and back again right that's so that means it and that you're right because we're seeing it from the perspective of the northman the gesture told us all along i'll add this too and and i wanted to bring this up about the his perspective because the scene with um his his mother the the where i wanted to watch the movie again because was she laughing or was she was she um crying and all upset and and what it like this an interest it was interesting like it's, you know the perspective okay so we'll go to the part where like you said they had a ceremony with his son uh, not too long after that the king is ambushed and he's coming back with his son from the ritual and um the king is killed. The son is perceived to be killed. And we find out that they are killed by his brother. You know, it's a hostile takeover. The brother's taking over the kingdom and people seem to be cheering and stuff. But you know, the folks who's running with the person who's trying to take over, of course they will. So we don't know the perspective of, of the kingdom. We just know the few that are that we're seeing. And so we're just, you know, we don't know if it's everybody that feels that way or if it's just the ones that are there with him or whatnot. And so, you know, the son is hiding because, you know, they're trying to find him and they can't find him. One of the guys are sent to, to kill him and he says that he killed him, but he really didn't. But he does see his mom 
thrown over, you know, his uncle's shoulder and you can't see her face because she have, you know, long blonde hair and you see her just kicking and stuff. So, you know, as a child, cause we're seeing it through his eyes, his mom is getting, you know, something bad could possibly happen to her. Like she's the spoils of, of, of victory and he can't do anything to save her. That seeing that for him, one made him feel a certain kind of way because he couldn't do anything about it to protect his mother. Two, it gave him that energy to try to survive so he could get his revenge. And even his stroke in the boat leaving so he could one day find his revenge, he has this mantra, you know, talking about I'll revenge you father, I'll revenge you mother, and I'll kill you. I can't think of his uncle's name, but I'll, I'll kill you uncle. Oh, kill him. Yeah. yeah, and that was powerful. Like that gave him his mantra for his life or his life to be. No frills, just simple, you know? So regardless of what's going on, he needed to be that person to fulfill those things. And so when you see him, you know, years later, and he's basically, they call them berserkers, but there's almost like this, this man animal or man beast thing. It's kind of like nothing else exists, but for me to have my opportunity to be the tool I need to complete my mission, you know, like, or this one a jackhammer. Okay, I'm gonna be a jackhammer. So when I go to that wall again, I'll be able to do what I need to do. When we find him, you know, just kind of like raiding a, a town and we kind of know why and what's going on, but we know he is a, a tool, right? That That's being used in a certain kind of way. Not his own purpose yet, but he's a tool, a sharpened tool. And so we catch him like that and it's yeah. just like, okay, uh, he's grown now and he's tearing stuff up and you just see like he's running with these folks and we don't know how he met them or his place in it and all this kind of stuff we just see that they are people who are pillaging and raiding camps and stuff like that yeah yeah so something that kind of comes up for me i was just considering you know the time that was going on but we see a scene where they're kind of gathering people up right and so you don't know if they're gonna do a head count or you know they're gonna you know make these over here slaves or these over here they're gonna be this and this and that and they're kind of like loading people up and you see in like the warriors they just slaying right there they just taking them out like okay you're gonna be a problem you're dead and out of the way. So we, we're and they're sparing certain ones and they put you know, the women and children in certain structures and killing some of them and put some over here and over there. And when you're seeing that, you're kind of like, okay, so what's next for that? And then you see that the structure is being lit on fire, right? With the women and children. Wasn't it just the children though? Um, they showed some of the women in chains, which I assumed, okay, those are the ones that are going to be the slaves or like the women that are going to be raped or whatever. Right. Or, you know, or paired off with whoever wanted to, to have them as like mates or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was mostly the children they were going to kill. And then the women, she was one of the only few women that I noticed that they seemed like they were intent on killing her. Maybe because I wasn't she like a priestess or something or she was some kind of a like a mystical type. You're talking about Olga, and she was like played by uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, and, her, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was like a mystic. So yeah, they kind of spared her because she had like a fight to her. And like I said, um, they could have just been kids in there. I couldn't tell, but I, I, I could tell that, like I said, they were just separating everybody out. And so, like I said, I don't know if it was just women in there that they wasn't planning on using and just the kids or, or whatever. But I know they were separating out. Like I said, you had some that was in chains. Some of the men, they were just slaying right there. But then we also saw that they didn't kill all the men because some of the men end up being coming up later as, you know, slaves. and Yeah, yeah. See, because I thought like, because in, in that time period, I would have, 
understood that the women would have been spared because you know they would have just been basically used you know the ones that they want to kill are the ones that are going to be a danger to them in the future and mm-hmm. women are not in that wouldn't have been viewed as they're not going to be able to like do anything it's a woman but with Anya I thought the reason why they wanted to kill her was because she was like some kind of a mystical like she could be a danger to them because if she's a witch she can do something curse them or, or bring blight or whatever which is why I thought that was why they were going to kill her versus the other women which they would have just obviously didn't want to kill the women they just want that's more like women they could have for themselves or use as slaves for their purposes. Yeah, I wasn't for sure how they went about vetting people because it seemed like it was so chaotic that I don't know if they would know who did what necessarily. It just seemed like it was so chaos. It wasn't really organized to me. That's why I thought they were just like quickly just kind of like they knew that if they had they had to hit and move fast because if anybody really had time to think about it, they'll be able to fight back. They'll be able to retaliate. They'll be able to try to run and get away. So I just took it as they just kind of hit them hard and they just did some quick shuffling of situations. But I did feel a ways when they lit that structure on fire with those, you know, children for sure, but maybe children and women. But when they lit it, it was an interesting feeling to see that happen. And even as messed up as it was in my head, considering the situation and and seeing what happened to the Norseman when he was a kid, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You you would have to do that. I was, yeah, it it, it was that thought crept into my head too. And I felt there's a part of me that's like man i'm pretty i'm a bad person but i thought that's i would do that too in in that time period that's the most logical thing to do like cold without any sentiment and without any and and it's not even even if you want to like try to measure it against morality Mm -hmm. actually you can't really apply morality to it because in in the sense of, of practicality yeah it's the most practical thing to do because if you're trying to whichever side of the tribe you're on if you want to preserve your tribe to in future generations you have to do that because you can't have any possibility of the 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 children coming back to like you know mess up your tribe in the future or try to kill everybody in your tribe or rise up yes and then a clear example of that is our protagonist so we know his mission and we knew what happened to him you know, in his, in his situation, in his situation, he got kind of raided and his, as far as in his eyes of what the tragedy that happened, because we don't know what the brother took out some of the people in the town or whatever who was still for the original king. We don't know. But, you know, so we've seen that what a potential young child can turn into. We're looking at him. Yeah. So we know the justification because we're looking at um, trouble in the making for his uncle just currently following him along. So it's almost kind of like, OK, so. When you don't do that, we get him and we know what he's about to do or we know his mission. Yeah. And, and it's also too, yeah, it's also to the fact that during that time, the invaders, they know in their heads that, okay, we, you know, are doing this. And so, you know, it's totally justifiable. Like if the losers of this, if the children, of the boys growing up into men, it totally would be justifiable for them to want to get back at us like because we literally did this to them it would be totally justifiable for them to do that to us when they grow up so we have to kill them yeah yeah everything's hostile takeover there's no yeah. negotiations and stuff it's kind of like you hit them hard hit them fast yeah. and you just you know live on top of the bones of the of the loser yeah um so yeah so that, that was an interesting scene 
And then from there, you know, I guess we find out they were kind of finding workers and people and stuff to be sold off to, you know, other kingdoms and things like that. He found out that, you know, a familiar kingdom to him, they were they were going to send potential slaves over to them. And he decided to, um, quote unquote, I guess, turn himself into a slave. And he hopped aboard a ship that was going towards old and familiar stomping grounds for him. But then we also hear a little information as far as his uncle that was king was no longer king. They kind of said it as jokingly saying like he's pretty much like, you know, he killed his brother for nothing because he pretty much got taken over anyway. And he's pretty much a glorified shepherd, you know, basically. Yeah. And our lead, Amleth, he didn't really blink about it. He knew he needed to to get there to fulfill his revenge. So when he goes back, how'd you feel when you, when you saw that he, he, you know, he has this plot and everything and he goes back and he happens to see his mother alive, happy. Yes. With children as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that threw a wrench in my thinking about, like, I, that was the first seeds of doubt I had in my head where it was before that it was all clear cut I need to side with the Northman because everything that happened to him was like it's justified for him to do what he's going to do but as soon as I he saw his mother and she was combing wasn't she grooming or combing the hair of the uncle and she they seemed like it was like a very tender moment like if you never knew about the history of, of the two of them right. you would have just thought that it's just like a loving couple right, right. No, and it's like it was it was sweet actually but it's obviously it's through the eyes of of the northmen but we're seeing it too so it's like i you know obviously for him thinking in a different way because he's like intent on what he's doing but for me as soon as i saw it i said there's more to this than like meets the eye because it's like you know either she was broken down already and she just kind of accepted the Stockholm accepted syndrome it. And like be in, in a lot of situations where she's not, it's not that she necessarily loves the uncle, but because she has a kid, mm-hmm. she's more focused on making sure that the, that the kid survives. So in order to do that, she'll compromise her feelings about the uncle, assuming that she didn't love the uncle. Mm-hmm. We'll assume that if that's from that perspective, she just wants to protect her kid. So she's, you know, in this marriage and for the sake of her kid, she's going to play the loving wife. Yeah, that's an argument. That's that's a perspective as well. Yeah. But we just took it on face value. It looked like she was genuinely happy. So yeah. it it started it did throw like a wrench into my thinking about the Northman's perspective. Yeah, because like I said, she could have Stockholm syndrome or anything. You just we just didn't really know. But it was weird to to see one that she was alive, and like I said, two she was happy. And so he works his way into I guess the kingdom in a way because really seeing him. I think their first thought was just like, you know, get rid of him or kill him because he, he's too strong. You know, he definitely looks like a warrior. But I thought it was pretty cool how he kind of changed his posture and didn't really look people in the yeah. eyes. He he didn't speak much. So they thought he was, you know, thought he was stupid because he wouldn't talk or anything. So he just knew to kind of play the role, but to show his strength where they would see it as being of service to them. And so therefore perceived him to be not smart. And then the fact that they saw his strength, it's almost like a, a animal, a mule or anything else. Yeah. So they, yeah, he's feel, not, they should have been afraid not. of him, but if they saw that he was smarter or felt that he was smarter, they would have just got would have killed him. him. Yeah. Yeah. They, because, he was, because he played the part of a dumb and brute yes. and like, okay, well, he's not dangerous. We can like, we can use him to our ends. Right. Right. Because, and that's another interesting aspect because he clearly would, could have like 
he's like the strongest and that even showed that that was also part of it for me where i thought that the, i was starting to have a little bit more empathy towards the uncle starting to because he not only is not the king anymore he's kind of left with i mean he has like servants and like those other guards yeah. but the guards look like they were just kind of like rent the cop type like they were just like the low they weren't the best warriors they're just kind of like they just had the advantage because they're just surrounded by slaves who are not going to do anything but yeah. against like real warriors those guards <laughs> yeah they're like they, yeah they were very cold they were kind of bullying kind of like the folks that were there and yeah but and so yeah they're only bullying them because they can get away with it and, and right. the they're not gonna it's it, it's at a time where you just accepted your station in life and there was no like thinking that you can like you know because if you look at if you the slaves some of those slaves like they look like if they fought they could have like had a they could have had a shot because those guards were not they were not like the greatest of <laughs> yeah. they're kind of like the the kind of like the leftover guys that you're not they wouldn't make the main army basically <laughs> in, yeah. in a, but, yeah. I, but I think that's why when they saw him they were intimidated and wanted to get rid of him but the uncle saw potential and, and thought you know like hey we, we probably should keep him just like he wanted to keep Olga for other reasons but he wanted to keep yeah. her around as well and so I thought it was kind of interesting too I started thinking something was kind of up when the, you know, the uncle was talking to his son and was telling him, like, you know, telling his son, like, you know, to work hard and to do it in front of everybody. He's like, why are we doing this? And he said, because we want our people to know that we work just as hard as everybody else. You know, like he thought to say that. Don't just look like you're just ruling over people. Well, yeah, also, I think also too part of it, I think part of it too was because the uncle was making sure that because like i said those those slaves kind of outnumber them yeah. and his his like his security contingent like if they if the slaves really wanted to fight back they would have easily like overtaken the and i think that was part of it too where the uncle wanted didn't want the slaves to really get have a resentment like they're not doing this son is like a useless guy why are we like why are we working why are we slaves to this you know so i think part of it was that like he didn't want to cause like a rebellion amongst his his slaves the way the uncle said it to me it was almost kind of like he didn't want to be perceived a certain kind of way but i i didn't take it as him being fearful like i, I, I didn't view it as like him being fearful i just thought it was a being him being pragmatic okay like I said, going back to what I was saying about where they killed all the children, the boys, um, that's done out of pragmatism, not because you're like so fearful, but you're just thinking it's within their right to get revenge. And for the uncle, I think it's more of a pragmatic thing where it's like it's within this. I mean, I don't know in terms of the, the structure where slaves can do that, but beyond whatever your station in life it's within your right to like fight back if you feel like you have to fight back which i think what the uncle was trying to prevent not for any fear or any he's lesser he's lesser of a man but i think it was just he's he's the uncle seemed like he's very pragmatic very like you know like you know like trying to make sure that to protect his family in the most um, pragmatic way okay okay so 
Amulet works his way into, like I said, into the hierarchy in a way by, you know, playing in their sports games and, and protecting the sun, the prince and things like that. And uh, and so he's he's playing with people's superstitions in a way, as far as like, you know, taking out guards and stringing them up certain kind of ways. And so all these things are happening and they can't tell where it's coming from. And they don't know who to blame. And so you could tell that like, he's just kind of setting up his plan. You know, he's one person against an army. So he got to, you know, work smart, not harder. And so he's just building up the the fear and the, and the questioning everything. And therefore, if they're off kilter, they're easier to knock over, basically. And so while he's working his way and doing that, and he knows that his mom is in there and he want to make sure she's protected. So he, he needs to, you know, let her know what's going on. Because why wouldn't she be happy to find out that her firstborn is all right and safe? And then also he needs to let her know to hide because when I start taking care of business, I don't want you hurt. You know, I'm going to save you. Because first he's going to revenge mom and for his dad. But since he thought both of them were dead, it's going to be revenge. But since his, you know, dad is, you know, gone, he's going to revenge his father. He's going to save his mother. And then he's going to kill his uncle. And so he's going there to let her know, like, hey, I'm getting you out of here. You know, I'm your son. Aren't you happy to yeah. see me? You know, then we, we get a whole perspective shift, right? Which actually, which helped to reinforce my, the first stirrings of doubt I had yeah. when the scene when the mother was being, you know, kind and affectionate towards the uncle and combing his hair. Right. So that like helped to kind of solidify I was teetering kind of like where now, which side? I mean, I was still on the Northman side, but I was starting to have doubt. But as soon as the mother's reaction, like, okay, now it's a different ball game now. It's not. And the interesting thing about it is everything leading up to that point, even like the whole thing with where he is at Bjork, which he, where he had the vision would be, made it seem like, like the prophecies and the, like he was destined to like, to get revenge um, against his uncle, like right. he was in the right, like everything and all the fates and all the the gods were on his side. But right. as soon as mother had her reaction, it's like, is were those like prophecies and things that he was it all in his head, or was it is he still destined to do what he was supposed to do? But then now it's not he's not necessarily all it's not a hundred percent like a he's in the right like there's it's a comp it's it's a it's complicated now all of a sudden it is and, and her reaction basically was almost kind of um was an excitement it's almost disgust in a way and she almost kind of you know taunted him saying so what you, you kill my children you kill my king and what i become your queen like i said i took it as you know her kind of taunting him yeah but also in in that scene then we get the first information about his dad mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, yeah. where all of a sudden it's yeah. not like all of his what he believed to be his dad right. as a kid and he adored him and he's like the greatest yeah. thing in the world yeah. and, and maybe he wasn't such a great guy after all yeah because she was saying to him like so you love me you love me so after he she made the comment about you know what you're gonna be my king kind of thing you know she threw out the fact that she was enslaved and basically said the way she said it it was almost kind of like like you know he put you on me basically like as if he was you know a, a child due to rape 
with her not liking the situation and the way that kind of came about, it's almost kind of like she was glad that, you know, she was gone and almost kind of insinuated that was her idea, you know, like, I'm glad that he was gone. I didn't want him. I didn't want you or anything associated with that. He took me, you know, he made me this kind of thing. So even though it's a prominent position, it doesn't matter if you still are under duress. If you, if you still don't have no real power, it's, it doesn't make it okay that somebody kidnapped you and gave you a better life. You still were stolen. You know what I mean? So sometimes the amenities that you get with something doesn't mean the, the fact that you're there is a good thing. Yeah, and and it was interesting because it wasn't only she like kind of laid out more things about the father, also implying that he wasn't a great. Because remember, in that the way the movie makes that culture where the greatest thing you could be as a ruler is that, or like as a warrior, is you die in battle, like a glorious death, right? That's always like a, they they reference that movie, and then Ethan Hawke's character as the king kept saying that right like he want that's what he wants and if you remember um the mother when she starts talking you know taunts uh, the son and talks about the father in, in a derisive way she also implies that he's not like as great of a warrior king as you thought he was like he's a pretender she was implying that he's a pretender and she was almost saying that she that the uncle was the real like warrior man that i should have been with they do a great job when they talk when she talked about like how she was basically enslaved and the son was forced on him by the father they juxtapose that because previous to that scene where the uncle is trying to basically rape anya that's the mirroring that's exactly they did that so that later when the mother so you could say oh it's the same situation as what could have happened to Anya? Like she w- was a slave, and she would have been like raped, and she probably would have had a kid right. from you know, and, and yeah. So it's just it's a it was a well done thing. They did that. They showed that, and then like when the mother reveals it, then you can understand. Okay, so yeah. yeah. In today's time, it was all it'd be like the equivalent to all he cares about is work and power and money but nothing else. And that's all he does. So it was almost kind of like she was implying like he didn't have a good work to life balance ratio. And like I said, she, she just didn't want anything to do with him. So that was a, a shock to see. And then also it made me think of earlier in the film when you see like the son, his dad is coming back and he runs into the mother's room and she is upset. And I was surprised. I'm like, you would think that she'd be excited that her husband was coming back and everything. It wouldn't trip about the kid because the kid's kind of wherever you, you are, you know, like she nursed him at one time. So it wouldn't be this thing where she would be like, you know, oh, how are you? How dare you come in here and stuff like that. So the fact that she was so kind of cold on that, I was kind of confused. Like, why would yeah. she react like that to, to yeah. a kid running into the house or into the bedroom saying, hey, mom, dad's home. Even her reaction to that threw me off. Yeah, you would think that. Why would she? You just got this great news, right? Like, right. it sounds like, why are you focused on the fact of like, so that that was uh, that was purposely done, I, I think, that yeah. were to show you the first indi- red flags that this mother is not, maybe there's something more to this mother and, and than there is. And that was the first indications without beating us on the head on it. Yeah. You know, it's a, little, it's a subtle, very subtle thing to just yeah. like, you know, but the kid is so 
um, happy and his perspective is like his father can do no wrong that he can't pick that up obviously yeah. he's not thinking about the, those little subtleties one of the things that I thought was interesting was going back where we what we talked about the, the the mother being talking about how she was forced um, into that life she was a slave mm-hmm. and if you remember after the movie when we talked to Keith about it and Keith mentioned um, and this is another interesting perspective where yeah but he gave her a better life like and that's an interesting perspective because right. yeah she was forced she was a slave right but he did give her a better life meaning like she could have easily been a slave where she's like toiling and doing all this stuff because there are slaves that's a normal thing in that world but he actually raised her position so that's there's an argument too so the question is is morality wise is the mother evil for wanting to kill her her husband who had elevated her from a slave to a queen or was she right because regardless of whatever her status you can't force yourself see that's the that's the question like are we imposing our modern morality to a morality during a time period where you should be grateful you would have been like a slave toiling away i gave you status you know similar to now where you have trophy wives but in most cases trophy wives they want that position in this case she didn't want that she didn't she sounded like she wanted she wouldn't mind being a slave versus being forced to be a queen yeah to me more so than the status that was elevated it was like the fact of you taking away the choice like okay say his mom wanted to be with the uncle and wanted to her sons and stuff like that and he was like forget that you're my mom you meant to be with me and i'm saving you regardless like technically he'd be wrong but in his head he would be right right so it's kind of like i think it's just the fact that something being put on somebody and they have no choice of it and so but that, yeah that's true so, but so, how much how much of that is our modern morality where where we think that choice is like important versus back then where yeah. maybe choices like you have to choose your family regardless that's your only choice there's yeah. no other choice yeah yeah so for sure i know that's how they did it then so but but i'm saying as far as i i don't think that she would associate uh forgiving what was done to her just because she's the queen i'll say it like that i think yeah. that you know even though she might be quote unquote better off it's interesting that she didn't say I was grateful for your father for, you know, taking me and making me queen. It was still about he raped me, he made me have you, and he, you know, and he okay. did this to me. So it wasn't like all the, she wasn't talking about the good stuff. She was talking about all the stuff and her justification for wanting him to be gone. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, play devil's advocate on that the, okay. the idea of the rape. Yes, it's more than likely in in our modern perspective he raped her we'll take it for what she said at, at face value and being true but i will say if you are elevated to a queen what do you expect you're gonna have to give him an heir it's not gonna be like what do you, do you expect you're gonna be like a king and queen and you're never gonna have kids you're never gonna be intimate with them that's part of the package and yeah. You know, and you could argue that she 
I'm taking from Keith's perspective, but I don't know if he was necessarily talking. He was. He sounded like he was more talking from the perspective of like, like a modern moralistic standpoint. I'm going to try to talk from the perspective of during that time period, um, where you you have a certain station in life and you accept that station. Right. She got elevated, but she actually, I think, in my opinion, broke the the law of whatever the yeah. the station by the fact that once she became queen you gotta accept that you're gonna give them an heir that's just like there's no question like that's the reason why you have a otherwise why have a queen you could just be a king yeah, right sure. you don't have to you can just have a bunch of concubines you don't have to have you don't have to have a queen but you have a queen because yeah. you have to have an heir to yeah. further because once you go away, then your kingdom is gone. You're you're you don't have an heir to like you maintain the family legacy. And then also, if she would have had a daughter, she may have still been a concubine. That's true too. But I mean, the goal is is I mean that's not something in their con- the control. If it's a yeah. daughter, a bunch of daughter. But the the goal is is it's the hope that you have sons. Mm-hmm. So just throwing kind of like a devil's advocate where. If you wanted to view the mother as evil in that world, you could argue that that the yeah. fact that she, despite the fact that you know she was forced to do it, but that's supposed to be your job as a queen. You're supposed to yeah. give the your your the king heirs. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know the way they had it back then. If they had it where you know you didn't necessarily get your queen from slavery it could have been like another kingdom could have had you know a daughter and their daughter get with your son i don't know what the all the options were but regardless like you're saying yeah if that was the rule of the land and that's just how it went then it wasn't no crimes done yeah i mean yeah. In, in that time period i don't i i agree with you i don't know myself um if you think back like to british royalty usually it's going to be like either brother's incest or it's going to be like a, another royal person that you're paired up with because bloodlines it's about bloodline now back then with the north with the vikings i don't know if they were really concerned about bloodlines or if they viewed like or if they viewed like royalty to be like a certain upper you know upper higher class than the, the slaves so they want to maintain the integrity maybe not maybe that's why taking a slave wouldn't have been any different than like being paired off with another, you know, tribes, king, uh, queen, a uh, daughter or whatever, because it's like they might not have viewed like, even though you're a slave, well, I'm not better than you as a person because I'm uh, I'm royal blood. We're the same, but it just I just happen to be have more money than you, and so I'm just going to take you as my wife, you know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like I said, it's like a lot of conflict for different reasons. And you kind of understand a lot of, you know, various sides of the situation because it's very, it's very interesting to, to have. It's almost like watching dated cartoons or dated movies. And it's like the language or the, you know, or even the exposure of body parts or, or whatever, or even jokes and things like that. You know, you almost got to consider the time. And I think a reason why we have a lot of issues now with stuff like that is because we don't consider, even though we know we should consider the, the time in which it came from, we don't. We treat it like it's today. So words of the past, it's the same as today. And that's not true. It's out of context. 
And so um, definitely this movie you have to watch with, you know, with context of what's of the time. Otherwise, everything everybody would do and say would be offensive and wrong and whatever. It could be many issues. It'd be more stuff to be upset about than it would be to be in, in agreement with. How about that? You know, especially if you're talking about slave movies or you're talking about, you know, something like this with the Vikings and how stuff, you know, no. No, it's, it's all technically wrong. The whole thing has been flipped, you know, and we go through that today with different things and different stuff, but the same kind of stuff that society is shifting in a certain kind of way. And it's like that boat you're trying to pull in the, you know, and you're just trying to hit that corner, but it's just that water is choppy, you know, making turns ain't easy. And so it's kind of like, should you be even turning or should you be leaning into this friction? So it's just, it's just this uh, moral fight of what we consider to be correct today. And yeah. who's to say is even to correct today? Because somebody tomorrow might see me and look back and be like, what were you guys thinking? That's some nonsense. Yeah. But but you had to be in that nonsense at that time because everything got to line up and be like, this is okay today. We'll look back on it and we probably wouldn't agree with the choices that were made. But in, in this movie, I, I love this movie in that when you talk about the morality, um, I think a big thing about uh, morality and, and the big influence on what people uh, what our morality is i definitely think religion plays a big part of our morality for, for example like in this movie perfect because the christian christians are viewed as like ev the evil yeah. and if you look at it from the perspective of like if you worship odin and, and, the, and the norse gods all the stuff they do, the, the killings and everything and the revenge, that's all within the the sacred context of the believing in Odin, the Norse gods and, and that belief structure. And then you come into this, the whole Christian where Jesus Christ, you know, like turned the other cheek. Now remember, like even the Christian, before Christians, the Jewish, before Jesus, it was like no different from um norse thing where it's like you know you gotta kill your enemy there's no turning the, the might makes right right eye for an eye. So, so if you, the jesus coming into this the picture whatever you believe or not believe with jesus changed the dynamic at, at an iron in the iron age of like where it was okay to like storm the castle and kill your enemy and just take their women it was totally on a moral standpoint that was correct yeah you know so What's it's interesting yeah yeah because if we look at our like where we are now modern wise in terms of morality we're basically judeo-christian you know like puritan it it shaped our morality i mean like who's to say like if if, if in an alternate universe, if there was never a Jesus, we'd be watching the Northman, and it, it wouldn't even be. It'd be it, it could be a comedy because that's it would have been the norm even like up to now. Exactly. So really, not only the words and the characters that are found in like religion and things like that, or you know mythology, just as important as what's being written, it's the current society's interpretation of those things. Yes. Yeah. Superman could have been the savior of of our world from another planet, and and so it's a fine line. It's just like, what do we decide is okay? What do we decide is right? What do we decide is is true? Because a lot of stuff is built on no evidence. It's built on how we used to do, or built on how we read it today, or how how it felt, 
a lot of stuff, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's why a lot of stuff is so interchangeable, you know, or the stories are so similar, but yeah. just different characters, you know, yeah. you know, it just depends on who's telling the story. It's just a lot of common characters with different names, but same journeys and, and, you know, familiar situations. It's possible too that, um, if we took religion out of it from a practical standpoint, um, as the civilizations got more advanced that we could have also evolved to for the sake of preservation where we realize we can't keep doing things this way <laughs> where we just kill and constantly like fight all the time where um we got to find a way to compromise we got to find a way to like find uh, make laws where we don't necessarily just you know get revenge on somebody like it, or we'd never survive if we constantly kept doing that we as a society for for the sake of self-preservation let's find a way to like make peace with the opposing thing and like come to concessions like maybe that's a possibility too like as time went on civilization if even taking religion out of it we might have been able to figure it out from a moral standpoint and still gotten to where we are now for the sake of us Yes, preserving ourselves, we realize we can't keep doing things this way. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of enough people getting behind one particular idea is what decides in a way, you know, the the people kind of accepting whatever that reality is at the time. But truth is, whatever it would be, you know, for, for things to kind of to be the way they are today, it's because the environment and society had to change. It had to make things less scarce. You know, so before you had to, you know, take land, but now you don't have to fight for that. You have to fight for the job to get the land, but you don't have to kill and fight for that land. You don't have to fight and kill for fruit and vegetables because they already have a system of having that grown and done for you. So you don't have to fight for food. You have to fight for the money to go buy the food that was already taken care of. So you don't have to destroy and take the land. You don't need land as much because you only need to care about your space where your body is because you don't need to have fields to till for harvest every year because somebody else is doing that so they take away things so we won't have reasons to fight and and, and cut up but you notice when things happen like the pandemic or scarcity then everybody goes back to stealing killing and robbing (laughs) we go back to the basics again when those uh things that are put here to keep us calm and to give us less reasons to have to go take or hurt somebody else then we're fine but anytime there's scarcity for jobs money food women, whatever it is, men, then people, you know, start pulling out, start turning into Vikings and trying to fight for these things, even though we had other things to kind of take us out that nature. So our nature comes back when it's needed, when it comes to scarcity and things like that. So society kind of dictates, you know, the um, behavior of the people. Um, And so I think it's very interesting. Yeah. And and also interesting, you brought that up where um, I think also part, another factor that plays into it is that in the cases where now in a modern time where we are not having to kill our neighbor to be able to get food it's more just like at an upper level now where we're just trying to get a better job you know but now that we're at this position where things are more readily available to us it's almost like that whole uh when people start becoming more privileged and they don't have to worry about the basic necessities and so they're want to find something else that's when they start trying to make more rules because there's like they're just kind of sitting they're twiddling their thumbs they don't know like you're not so busy 
in your day just trying to survive you can survive now easily but it's just like like the level like how much better do you want your life do you want to be like live a better life you can live now much longer than back then even as a poor person but once you get to the upper level it's almost like you're i don't want to say you're bored but like you because you're not struggling day to day you're trying to find other things so you start making all these rules or you you start trying to find for example the whole woke thing where you know like where people like kind of derisive because they view it as like the people that are woke are just like people who have nothing to do because they're 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 living these they're not really living like true difficult lives they're just kind of privileged but they're just trying to find something to be upset about yeah i think it depends on the situation i think that's true i think if you have idle time then you could worry about philosophy and things like that you could you could dream you things like that um that's why it's hard to be creative in times of scarcity or you're trying to survive when you have either you're surviving and if you're not in that mode of survival then you're creative you could be because otherwise if you're open and trying to be inspired and create that's when the enemy attacks so if you're in a thing of survival you could it's hard to be creative because you're fighting against two different things. One is trying to get you tight, close, and secure. The other one's open up, bringing in. And, yeah. and to do both at the same time is contradictory. And so if you have yeah. leisure to, to dream and think about, not only do you think about stuff that may or may not affect things, but also a lot of times people who have, they spend that time, idle time, to figure out other ways to secure what they have. Yeah. I just think part of it too is like, I think that, the way we, uh, we uh, as humans are structured that if we're not like like trying to just survive so we're just really working just to survive day to day i think we're something in us are, is built for we can't sit still like we have to find whether or not we're intentionally trying to find conflict we're not totally like if i hate to throw in the matrix but in the matrix when they mentioned about that when they tried to make the mo- the perfect paradise yes. they said it couldn't work because rejected it because people can't like fathom where everything is perfect there's like always something within us where there has to be a conflict we're, we're, we're like manufacturing these when everything is perfect and we have like that's what I, I guess that's my point where when you're not living day to day and you reach a higher level or you have the luxury to be able to to reach live a better life without having to kill people or worry day to day if you're going to live then that's our we're so unsettled that we have to find new conflicts that aren't necessarily there that's what yeah. i'm saying yeah so I'm, yeah i can agree with that yeah something else i thought was kind of interesting and it kind of came up when we were talking about um you know amlet's um destiny you know that, that was given to him by the shaman when he was with his dad and he hears, sees the thing about how he's gonna, you know, protect the legacy and things like that. And something I didn't expect from this movie, considering how it was grounded a lot, right? Is that how it was so intertwined with mysticism and, and all this other kind of stuff. And and so it was just kind of like, I didn't know if if the visions and stuff and that whole thing with the magic and all this, was that like real or was there an interpretation of what that was or were we seeing what what they thought they were seeing you know because the thing with the perspective like he we we moved on the kid's perspective on what he knew and so 
we believed it as if it was like a vision of what was supposed to happen or how it's supposed to be. But when that got disrupted from his encounter with his mom and that reality check, it shook all that stuff. So yeah. after that, did you still consider the, the dreams and the prophecies? So like when the prophecies came up, did you still give weight to those things? Or do you even think those were supposed to be real or were they just there in their minds and it was just for them and we're just seeing it since we're connected to them we're just seeing what they're seeing or do you think those things was really was like magic and mysticism and all that kind of stuff do you think that was really real in this world that was created I'm gonna, in this movie i'm gonna so i'm gonna throw uh, an interesting take or what i think is interesting on that um my i guess first my question is to you if if you if we take those the prophecies and all the mysticism to be true, meaning that th there really is like a realm where, like, the spirits or like the gods are talking to you, giving you messages about. Okay, so let's say that it is true. Does that mean that them being it being true, like he's prophesied to kill his uncle for the sake of revenge on his father? If it's true on a moral standpoint does that mean that the prophecies that are true is 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 moralistic moralistically correct meaning is he obligated to do that right mm -hmm. that's my question to you let's say let's take it that it is true what do you think do you think that he's obligated that he must do this because he's getting these messages Okay, well, I'll take it like I would for if I put myself in a situation, I'm obligated to the truth that I believe for myself. So if I believe that's to be, be the truth and that's what's guiding me, then I would have to take it to be like it's my destiny and that's how it's supposed to be, you know, and and so, yeah, so I, I think that's an individual thing, because who's to say that somebody else isn't getting a different vision or are we just letting the visions go that we like? So we we'll accept all the good ones and all the bad ones. Nah, that, that's not that's not true. It's a it's a abstract on that part. But when they say it's something definitely that is going to you know benefit me, then, yeah, we'll take it as as, you know, pure. But if it's like, hey, you got to be a better person, you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to get up when you don't want to. And then it's like, oh, that could but, be an interpretation. <laughs> but it's always interesting because when we talk, because when I think of destiny, I think that when they say destiny, I think that it will happen. Like if I'm sitting on my couch and then I get a vision that says you're destined to, you know, win the lotto, right? Mm -hmm. If I never buy a lotto ticket, how am I going to be destined to win the lotto? or will mysteriously I'll get a lotto ticket because my sister will buy a lotto ticket and then she'll say, you know what, as a gift, I'm giving you a lotto ticket. And then, cause that's what I think of destiny. I think that with, when they say destiny, it's going to happen regardless of whatever your actions are. That's what I think of when they say you're destined to, um, but that's always tricky because you don't know if you're feeling, if you're fulfilling it because you, you were told it, that's the rub. You don't, you don't know. Because you could say it's destiny after you get to a certain point because you have here now to say like well, it was meant to be i'm sitting right here now i'm talking to you on zoom right now was it destined you know or it's because we decided that's the day we we're going to sit down and talk and that's when we did yeah. so back up what we planned yeah so, well that's that's why i'm saying the the thing about if i sat on my couch and yeah. i got a vision and 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 some and jesus christ told me you're gonna win the lotto right yeah. If I never move from that couch or if I never go to get a lotto ticket, but 
I get a lot of sick it because my sister game isn't that that's my art that's what I'm saying like isn't that destiny because I didn't choose to but it still happened to me but okay so so what's the opposite of it what if you didn't get it did that mean that you were really truly destined not to have it well then I could just I would think that that was I was the hallucinating or because we always assume that when we get these visions from like spirit but we never know until we what if it's what if, it, what if it's true well let's say let's for the sake of argument let's say that it, like a, it's true that mm -hmm. he really is visited but what if they're just messing with him what if these like yeah. gods or what if they just wanted entertainment hey let's just we want to see this guy he's this big ass tough guy let's see him kick ass and let's yeah. we his uh, his dad was killed let for entertainment purposes let's yeah. let's mess with these like lower beings and just like give them these things and let for for entertainment purposes cosmic entertainment let's watch them see what they you know try to do to because we're giving these because we we take it at face value that when we see these visions that and it's and if we accept the visions is true that the ones who are giving us the visions are somehow being like truthful to us or, or not deceiving us but what if they were trying to deceive us what if they're just trying to mess with our head like meaning what i'm saying is it's possible that it could be true but that we can't we shouldn't this is um hamlet that with the scene where um the ghost where he's wondering like is this my father or is this some like evil spirit that's just trying to to make me do something that i shouldn't be doing for the sake of entertaining this that evil spirit yeah like i said we don't know we don't know if, if something's like wish fulfillment we we don't know because really a lot of times when people say something's destined to happen, you know, a lot of times it seems like people say that after it happened. Yeah. It's not like they called it out and then it happened. That happens sometimes too, but then that could be wish fulfillment or it could be like, you know, you brought it to yourself because you brought it up or you focused on it so then you see it all of a sudden. So yeah. it can play into all those kind of things. We 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 accept and deal in the ways that so we could survive, so we won't go crazy. And so if you're a person that need to think that everything's destined and you feel like your destiny is going to be a good one that might be to keep you to keep you moving to try to get to a better spot even if you don't get to that destiny of being a millionaire it's enough to make you or what you need to hear to make you feel good enough to get up to keep trying yeah say i want to end it all i'm tired and i'm done if you tell like my destiny is forever to be unhappy or whatever whatever that leans into what you want as well and you know but in those cases uh I'm talking about if an external force, like it's one thing to choose, but if, if an external force, whether or not, if we believe that this external is actually giving us a message about yeah. our destiny, that's where things are interesting because like I said, if, to answer, I didn't answer your question, but to answer your question, yes, I believe that this, the, all the mystic and all the prophecies were true. I believe that in the movie that that it was true. But what I also believe was that he could have still chosen not to do take that path because I think that while it was while he was really getting messages from the other outer world, spiritual world, that I didn't trust that the ones giving the message. I thought that they were trying to mess somehow, like because for the for the sake of like a spectacle wanting to see like let's see this play out let's let's give them this uh prophecy so we could see 
him dance like a puppet and we can get entertained by seeing this. Are you talking about the shaman who told him that as a kid is getting entertainment out of it? Who who are you talking about who's I'm, getting entertainment? I'm talking I'm talking about the actual because I'm assuming I'm not sure if the shaman is like like the Norse religion believed in Norse, but I'm talking about anything that's related to that's connected to where the shaman. There's also he had the dream where like the Valkyrie was like. I really believe that he was getting messages from whatever mystic world was giving him the messages, either okay. to the shaman or. But I also think that they were doing that because for their entertainment. Uh, it's a weird take, but I really believe that, like. Um, well, well, when you see stuff like with the Norse mythology, you, you do see where you have like you know the gods are on the clouds and they're kind of like, hey, do this, because that's how you know, like even in the movies back in the day, they would kind of show how humans were like chess pieces, you know, like I'm yeah. putting that against you. What do you have, Aries? And Aries is like, yeah. you know, what well, I'm a okay. You have them on the ship coming, so what I'm going to do is put the kraken in the water, and that's going to take care of that. So it, it's almost too high up to confirm or verify so i don't know what put like this i think that what he was seeing was probably true only because he was getting the same information from different people who didn't communicate with each other yeah so his woman was saying the same thing that the shaman told him when he was a kid and so and then his dreams so his dreams could have been brought up because of what he heard as a kid you know and it's just kind of continuing on the thing that was put in his head you know as a thing like i'm gonna be somebody this is this and this is that because you know it was powerful enough for him to be in a situation where he could have rode off into the sunset and he chose to go back because he felt so strongly that if he didn't then that would mess up the vision that was given to him by someone else but like i said it was confirmed by somebody else that had no relation to the original person so to me that was kind of a um, confirmation that the information was true as far as the intentions of it and who was actually giving that information, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, well, in, in the and I think one of the solidifying things that for me that solidified the fact that visions were true was when he saw on the tree his children, his future children. Right. I thought that that was like an indicator, and I thought that that was the one point in the story where it was giving him a final choice where you don't necessarily have to do this finish what you need to do you can actually turn away and actually just have a life with you know Anya's character and and, and have children but he still was adamant and because the vision he had earlier in the movie trumped that final vision with his kids yeah. so he had to he, for him that was that was the more that was the priority vision he had to follow yeah yeah so it was a trip when his whole world got flipped upside down he realized his mom wasn't going to be on his side about the whole thing he knew he had to you know speed up his plan and get out of there because he wasn't really sure what this was going to mean when it came to putting his woman in danger and all and all the rest of that and and it's going to up his timeline because he was trying to do everything under stealth but he just kind of told the enemy in a way his plan and so he had to move differently and quicker and what he ended up what, leaving with his woman, right? And that's when, you know, he had a vision of, of his future. And he felt like if he didn't take care of his uncle, that it would be a thing that's going to follow him. And also the vision of him fighting his uncle like in fire or something, or having this battle in fire. 
Yeah. It sounded crazy. It didn't make any sense. But, you know, as we watch in the movie, we're seeing this, you know, different stages of this volcano that look like it's going to erupt sometime soon. So I thought that was kind of interesting how that all kind of tied together, his destiny and all that. And then the whole thing where, you know, first the, the child died, you know, as a casualty of the situation. And then the ceremonial burial thing that was going on. And then, you know, his mom eventually being killed as well. Yeah, it would... Yeah, this this movie, it, it just tripped me out because it just constantly kept changing, you know, in a way, you know. Um, if I wasn't a movie person, I'd probably be thrown off by it. But as a person, just appreciate seeing stuff that's good, but different than what I'm expected. I'm, I kind of marvel at the ability to be, be able to do that, you know. How, how can you just trick and not break your neck, you know. It's always kind of neat. So, but it's just constantly like, okay, it's grounded, but then it has mysticism. And then, you know, it's kind of like everything is not perfect as perspective change, but then he has destiny that's tied in there too. So is it like, it's everything was just kind of contradictory in a way. And so it was kind of milling this way through all this stuff. Nothing in that movie was at face value really, except for maybe the visions. And that's the thing that you would should question because that's normally the thing you can't trust. Yeah, you yeah. can't trust the vision. You trust real life, and the vision is kind of like if it lines up and good. If it don't, then eh, you know. But that was the only thing that was almost the through line, and everything else that was quote unquote grounded in reality was constantly changing and getting flipped. But in talking about the visions, um, I just realized this: what if the visions were basically just? a message of this is actually what's going to happen meaning it's not i don't know if that's the right term but basically it's just like this is how it's going to happen like it's already been determined because we've already seen the future you know there's that argument like are you really like making a choice or are you just a pawn of you know like it already happened what i'm saying is all all the stuff that we're gonna see he's not choosing it it's just a message saying this actually is how it's going to happen. It happened already. We're in the future. We already, we've already passed that point. Um, you know, the, the spirits or mystics, we're just telling you that this is how it's going to happen. It already happened. We saw it already. We're in the future. Right. Like I said, to me, the visions was the only through line that stayed pretty consistent. Like I said, that was the only thing that was confirmed. Everything else was like, was not confirmed. What he thought happened to his, his village and his dad didn't match up. What he thought of his mom and dad's relationship didn't match up. What he thought of his uncle didn't match up. What he thought of what his life was going to be didn't yeah. match up. The way he's going to do his revenge didn't match up. You know, he thought he's going to end up sacrificing himself and taking out everybody to revenge his mom and dad. That didn't match up. His mom yeah. was alive. It didn't match up. He found a woman, he, you know, that didn't match up. He didn't know that he's supposed to find a woman and the woman was going to bear his children. That didn't yeah. match up. So everything that was in real life did not match up. He just yeah. kind of fumbled his way through with a through line that he held on to to kind of get him through. But the only thing that stayed true in, you know, throughout the movie was his destiny that was given to him by the shaman. Even yeah. to the fact that him even, even the vision of him, you know, fighting to the end basically in a fire basically like in hell which didn't make sense it sounded abstract so i was surprised yeah. when they showed him and i was like oh he's in the volcano fighting because it sounded outlandish until i saw it I'm like that was the truth okay could that be possible how could he be fighting in you know hell how could he be fighting in fire that doesn't make sense it sounds fanciful 
Yeah, it was a truth, but it was just told yeah. in in a different way. But it's true. It yeah, was. It was true. It was true, but it just was described in a way where, if we when we think of hell, we're thinking of otherworldly. Yes. But it, it, it's a it's just a description. It's yes. not necessarily mean he's in hell. Yeah. It's just describing that it's hell like. It was our interpretation of what was being said. But they didn't say hell like. They, there's no word like light, so they right. say hell. So right. we we take that as a literal. Oh, he must be in some other world. We think. no, yeah. it's just simulated to what hell, what we imagine hell to be, which is fire and all lava or whatever. Right, which was messing with our perspective. Yeah, they used our own thoughts and history and perspective against us. But the whole movie kind of did that. It's it's just more dramatic because you know, oh you're gonna be fighting in a volcano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they had like word for volcano or if they just say like oh you're fighting in the mountain that. As this fire or whatever. But usually when it comes to stuff like that, it's never really concrete. It's always kind of vague. You know, are you going to be in a hot place? So that could be Cancun. That could be, you know, your car's on fire and you're stuck in there. Like fortune teller type. Just very vague. That's what I'm saying. It's vague, but yeah. Enough to like, well, you can't necessarily dispute it because you'll, if you believe in that, then you'll find, oh yeah, that's right. So they said that. So you'll try to find, they make it vague enough where you can find commonality to make it it's for you if you want to believe it so yeah. sometimes you know because there's levels to that some of that stuff you seem like oh it applies to everybody and some of the times you know they may say something that might be right on point now they might not have the exact wording you know because it seems like a lot of times that stuff kind of goes by feelings and it feels like this it feels like that and so it could be true and it could come up but it wouldn't be like i said that exact thing you know but still closer than should be guessed Yes, yes. I really like this movie because it just throws like the conventions of what I'm sure all the audiences that uh, saw it or are going to see it believe it's going to be. Like it doesn't make things like black and white. It like makes things gray. So, but then again, from uh, depending on the audience and their perspective, I could have gone it and just totally not accepted the gray and just said, you know what, the the prophecies are true. Mm-hmm. This is a revenge tale, but that's a choice I make. Whereas most movies, they don't necessarily give you that choice. They make it like clear that, okay, in another director or another version of Northman, they could have just made it where it's just like clear cut, like he's in the right, mother's in the wrong, or killing his father because the father was the noblest person. But this movie, it mixes you up because we assume, well, I don't want to say we, but when you mix mysticism and we'll, let's say if we accept the mysticism as true and we don't put our modern values and say, well, maybe he was just imagining things, but we just accept it as true. Right. In most cases, we always think that the mysticism that we're seeing in the movies is like telling us a truth. Mm-hmm. But in this case, yes, it's telling him what may be his truth, but it's not telling the whole truth that, hey, your father was an a-hole, right? So yes, you're destined to like get revenge on your uncle, but that doesn't mean that what you're doing is right. But we assume that it, when we hear like this thing with prophecy and destiny and mysticism, that the message is giving us adds a moral right to whatever action is going to be taken through that destiny. We're not the ones in charge of the directions. Then it's it's almost kind of like it's a means to an end. Yeah. Sometimes it'd be like your destination. Say I'm trying to go whatever. And then, you know, Siri well, tells you where to go, right? It doesn't yeah. tell you how fast to drive. Yeah. 
It gives you directions, but it doesn't yeah. tell you how fast to drive. It don't tell. It don't say if you're gonna be a jerk cutting people off or or making stops every five minutes. It don't tell you all that stuff. So the stuff in between, you know, is kind of irrelevant. It just tells you from here to here. You'll get there, but your yeah. journey within getting there is gonna be different because we'll have the same directions. But I might drive fast. How, you might drive yeah, how slow. You do it, how you um, get to that destination? It's kind of up to interpretation yeah. of the person who's following the map. Okay. Well, what if, if this is a, a, a wrench in, in the story? What if the mother and uncle also had visions in terms of, you know, you gotta you gotta kill your husband, and you know your destiny is to do. Now, how would the story be viewed when you see both perspectives of like in terms of morality? I'm just speaking from the terms of like them doing because the northman is is doing what he's doing in terms of trying to fulfill this like destiny because he he thinks there's a moral right of doing that meaning like that's the reason why he's doing all that stuff is is personal to the person i'll say it like this usually in movies you don't hear that side you hear one or the other you're going with the protagonist, so you don't hear the other side. And sometimes if they have it where somebody is doing that kind of thing and two people that are opposed to each other both have the same vision, yeah. usually one's happy and the other one's upset. Because I got the same vision you got that you're going to be the one. And so it steps me up and give me, you know, a pep and a push to try to get rid of you. So hopefully that doesn't come true. So normally, like I said, if it's a vision, and they show other people having it that's opposed. One is getting the battery in their back to go forward and get that win. And it's pushing the other person in the back to like, I know you're coming and I'm going to meet you off at the pass because I also see that you're going to be the one, but I'm going to do everything I can to stop you. Yeah. I'm just saying like, I'm going to give up and be like, oh, I'm not going to do it because they're the one. So I'm just going to sit back. No. They're trying to fight it. They're trying to fight it with all they can because they see it and believe it as well. And it's not in their favor. So the only time I really see when both sides are having different visions and it doesn't really come up as being an issue. That's why it's like when it's a war, it's like, you know, the pagan people are like, oh, we got this behind our back. And then the and then the Christian people are, hey, we got God behind our back. You never hear both sides. Cause what if both sides believe in God? They both think they're gonna, only time I ever see that really, it's like in a football game. Yeah. They, they got the Rams, God got the Rams back and God also have the Niners back. And so yeah. we'll see who God, then they become different gods. And it's like, we'll see which God is gonna win at the football game because the victor will tell you who the true God is. That's the only yeah. time you usually see the same entity that's powering somebody and it's opposing. It's kind of like the answer would be at the finish line. And then they'll be like, well, my God must be real because I had victory. Yeah. And your God must not be real because you lost. Yeah. But I think part of it too, where they tend not to do that, like from a, from a movie making standpoint, they don't want to confuse. The audiences just want like, this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. You know, and you can have obviously situations where the, the bad guy is charismatic or is you can empathize with the bad guy. And they're a great bad guy because of that. But I think the, the, the idea is you still want where it's a clear cut, like I'm going to take the good guy's side, like meaning they don't want to come. And that's why this movie is so great because Eggers throws a wrench and all those things where you start to doubt. It gives the audience a chance to be able to start to doubt. Whereas in other movies, they don't give you that option. They, the information they give you 
tries they try to lead you in like for example in the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe mm-hmm. they like it's it's just it's black and white he's the good guy the emperor the the the, the son that killed his father is the bad guy they don't tell you they give you little hints but they don't give you enough where you'll ever empathize with the the um, evil son the, the the one who killed his father to become emperor they they want to just lead you on that one path but this movie northman it 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 doesn't it gives you the information and it and it lets it's letting you decide what you want to do with that information yes yeah, he wrote it well enough where it has layers yeah. like i said it's interesting but it kind of plays into perspective but i think this movie did a beautiful job but we could finish off with the fact that he knew he had a guy there he was leaving with his woman he has a vision of his woman being pregnant with two children even though they had got away and made the choice to um to go back and take care of his uncle he finished off the rest of his uncle's family and they have the fight that was prophesized you know, in hell in the volcano to take care of business and to finish it and for him he was seeing it to secure his legacy and his uncle saw it as to revenge for his wife and his children and to just end him it's almost like even though Amlet was was there to get revenge his uncle almost turned into that person where he was going for revenge for his family and to get rid of this this annoying nephew of his and we we're talking about you know how you know, similar to like Hamlet and stuff like that. And then also Lion King. When I saw that and I thought about Simba and Scar fighting, and, you know, and the, with the fire and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's the, they got that, even the, even the fire scene with the fire in the background, that's even very similar. I was going to bring up, I'm glad you brought up Lion King, but that's a great uh, comparison analogy because in the Lion Kingdom or Lion World, when the head male is like usurped, what usually happens? They kill the cubs, yeah. right? And as soon in the lion world, as soon as the cubs are killed, then the, all the females are under him. Are under him, and they don't rebel because there's no because there's no cubs to tie them or make their loyalties um, go against you know the new ruler. Now and now they're open, and then the new leader will make the, all the lionesses, mm-hmm. and they and they don't fight back because the cubs are all gone, so their loyalties to the the former um, leader are gone perfect example of like the Northmen killing the children yeah. so they don't rise up against the, the new rulers. Yeah. So I thought this was a wonderful movie. Like I said, I think it's one that needs to be seen a few times just to all the little details and stuff. But like I said, I think for me in the beginning and then for, for most people, I think when they first see this, it's just the whole conflict of trying to, um, because that trailer is so powerful, but to get that trailer out of your head, because like I said, you just think it's going to be this action bloodbath thing and, you know, simple revenge and all this other kind of stuff. And it just takes this turn, which was refreshing in a way, because we have all those other movies. We have 300. We have Conan. We got all those kind of movies and stuff already. And so it had a problem of like for identity purposes of looking like one thing when it truly was something else. I, I went through the same thing with this movie called The the Green Knight. It was the same thing where you thought that was going to be this, you know, action adventure kind of thing about this kid that's going to be this knight and he's going to find his way into earning his spot and his place. And he did, but it just wasn't in the way that I thought was going to happen. 
Have you seen that movie? Is it The Last Duel? It's on my list. Okay. If when you get a chance, watch that movie. It's a perfect movie about perspective, like okay. the whole thing that we're talking about, like depend the Northman on perspective and like how it affects what we view as who the protagonist, who's a good guy, who's the bad guy, and who's in the right, who's in the wrong. Okay. When you get a chance, watch that movie because it's literally deals with perspective. Curious what your take on that is. All right. So, you have any um, final thoughts or words about this movie? Yeah, I, I definitely. The Northman is a great movie. I would definitely recommend it. I will say that it's not what the trailer portrays it to be, where it's just like a gladiator or like diehard type movie where it's just one guy against a whole kingdom. It's not that, but it's still a good movie. And because it mixes all these. Things like mysticism, spirituality, and it also adds things like the idea of destiny, and also throws in things with like morality, where who's in the right, who's in the wrong, depending on perspective. I definitely would recommend this movie, and um, you know, hope that uh, it picks up steam also when the DVD and Blu-ray comes out. Yeah, I think this movie tried to accomplish a lot. I really enjoyed it. To me, I think something like this would have fared well as like a four-part series or mini-series or something like on HBO Max or something like that, just to, to give it its full breath. But considering the time that it had to do what it did, I think it did a good job. Like I said, just the fact that it's the original in a way, old story flipped in a new way, I think that's a feat, especially in this day and age when we've just seen everything done so many different ways, so many different times. So I thought it was a nice twist on a familiar story. Definitely would recommend it and think people should check it out for sure. It was a fun watch and it was great talking to you about it. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely enjoyed watching and also talking about this movie. It's one of those movies where for me, I could literally talk about it all day. There's just so many things to unwrap with this movie. And you can just, you could focus on like even just one part of this one topic in this movie and you could just keep talking about it because it's surprisingly so deep for a movie that comes off as superficial that it's not deep but it's actually very deep it allows you to be able to to be deep with this movie yeah for sure so that was my conversation with Joselito about the movie The Norseman until next time peace peace hey it's Jay if you enjoyed my conversation with Joselito, check out our conversations where we talked about the movie The Norseman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, as well as the latest Dune movie. Thanks for listening. Until next time, peace. <laughs>